Live from the Jacob Media Studios, it's Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough on News Talk 1400 WOND. Be inspired, learn and understand the power of becoming a servant leader and transform your life while serving our nation. Meet those who have served our country. Learn about prosperity and overcome sickness, poverty, and despair. Serving Our Nation begins right now. Good afternoon and welcome to episode 44 of Serving Our Nation. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and if today is your first time tuning into the program, I just want to share with you the heart behind Serving Our Nation. This is a program that is focused on encouraging people to become servant leaders, and my goal is to offer you hope and encouragement through stories each week of people that have dedicated their lives to servant leadership and honoring God. Because what I know for sure from experience and seeing it in the lives of so many people is that when you do that and you really just live your life to honor God and serve other people, you will just receive a lifetime of blessings as a byproduct of that service. Nobody goes out and does something because they want to chase a blessing, but you do it out of a humble heart and then God will honor that and bless you for it. Because at the end of the day, all of us are given special gifts by God. And because of that, we're all called to be ministers in some way. We're called to minister to other people such that if we see a need somewhere, it's our responsibility, our obligation to fill that need to the best of our ability. And that's regardless of what walk of life that you're in. I've had people on the show from the military, in business, faith community, and even people that just do something as simple as serve their family. And last week, if you missed it, I had on the show two young college students, Jomo Davis and Charles Ross. And you might think to yourself, oh, they're college students. What can they possibly know about servant leadership? And I would tell you that assumption is completely wrong. These two young men absolutely have a heart for serving other people. And they shared not only how they serve their fellow students at Drexel University, but how they've taken the leadership lessons they've gotten to Drexel and applied those lessons to serving people in the business world. So if you missed last week, you definitely want to go back and listen to episode 43 in the podcast. But listen, for today's show, just a little bit about me that's relevant. So I am the third generation of Paul McCullough, specifically Paul V. McCall III, in my family. And I'm also a licensed minister in the Assemblies of God. And so why that's relevant is because today I have the great honor and privilege of being joined by a special guest, Pastor Paul McCullough. We have the same name, Paul McCullough, the same spelling, the same pronunciation, and we're both in the same denomination for ministry, the Assemblies of God. Pastor Paul is a community pastor at a local church in Minnesota. He's known throughout his community as Pastor Paul, and he's been noted in media outlets several times for his pastoral and chaplaincy ministry. So when we come back from the break, I'll be joined by Pastor Paul McCullough. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
You're listening to Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough, a Jacob Media Production. And welcome back to Serving Our Nation. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and today I'm joined by Pastor Paul McCullough. Pastor Paul, thank you so very much for taking your time to be on the program here today. It is such an honor to be with you on the show today. What an exceptional, uh, pleasant experience. I've not met another Paul McCullough in the ministry, and, <laughs> and I just feel like it's a special time for both of us. Absolutely. So, you know, the first thing I think would be good clarity for the listeners is how we connected. Because like you said, it's pretty rare that you get to meet somebody with the same name, same spelling, and even the same occupation as yourself. And so I wanted to just give a little bit of background if that's okay. Sure. So a couple of weeks ago, I was on my computer and I received a Google alert because I asked my computer to let me know anytime that my name, our name, comes up in some kind of article. And what I found was a Google article talking about a funeral that was taking place in your area. And it said that the funeral was going to be officiated by Pastor Paul McCullough. And I said, well, I, I've done funerals before, but I don't have any on my calendar. That That's not me. Who, who's doing that? Because it, it intrigued me. And so... I read through the article and I found out a little bit about you and then I did some more research about you and through that I was able to find out that you were also a minister in the Assemblies of God. You're ordained right now. I'm licensed. Um, But then as we connected and in our first conversation, I really found it intriguing that we have the same name, first name, last name. We spell it the same. We pronounce it the same. And we're both ministers in the AG. So I, you know, I really appreciate having you on the show. And it's so special to be able to connect with somebody that has so much in common with you. Well, thanks. And I think we both have the, uh, the, the uh, recognition of being the third. Is that correct? Indeed, yes. Um, yeah. I forgot to mention that. So my father and that's uh, even unique. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm Paul the third, and my son is Paul the fourth. I didn't quite go the fourth. I my first name being Harry, that's why I go by H. Paul. Mm-hmm. Uh, first day at school was kind of a Harry, you know, Harry, Harry. <laughs> so he is Joseph Paul McCullough. Okay, and uh, that's the only reason that but Princess Di kind of made Harry popular once again but so have you yeah, just first time to have somebody as close in a uh, comparison as you and i it's great have you always omitted the h in uh, your life as long as you remember uh you know i remember j paul getty in my generation mm-hmm. i thought h paul mccullough would fit as well and uh, anything to do with legal type things and matter of fact i have a pacemaker and i just was off the hospital they check it every three months by satellites. Amazing. Wow. So they call me Harry all the time. And <laughs> with it. All right. Well, you also were sharing with me a little bit about your own family lineage and the people that have come before you, other McCulloughs and interesting things that they've done. Would you mind sharing a little bit about that with the audience? Because I, I found that really interesting. I'd love hearing some of your background if we have time for that. Uh, what My grandfather's generation, there were eight of them aunts and uncles and Harry Paul Sr. The 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 ladies, the aunts, they they did a background and came up with a McCullough book. If my memory serves me, I tried to find some of the details but wasn't able to locate it. 
But somewhere around the late 1600s or in the 1700s, they came over to the United States and settled around West Virginia area or Baynesville, Ohio, somewhere right close to the river. And that's where we have the history. Uh, I mentioned to you, and I won't take time, but McCullough's Leap, Colonel Samuel McCullough is an interesting one for Fort Hen, uh, Fort Will, uh, Fort uh, Wheeling uh, brought some recruits in, and uh, he put them in, and he jumped jumped the side of a cliff, and is well known there. They got a monument and so forth. But anyway, my grandfather moved to Kansas to work in the oil fields, and my son, uh, my dad, was born there as a young fella, and then. Uh, my dad met my mother, and I was born in a little town called Paola, Kansas. Mm. And uh, there's a cemetery in Paola, which I will be buried at. And there are five generations of McCulloughs, beginning with grandfather's generation. And then my dad and mom and myself and my wife will be there. And I bought a little plot, 50 bucks, it wasn't too expensive, uh, piece uh, for my son if he wanted to be buried there. But it's kind of nice to go back and reminisce. I remember... Didn't, don't remember WA, that's the, the fifth generation mm-hmm. back. But uh, <clears throat> the, the rest of them, my graduation, Harry Paul, senior, junior, and the third was at my high school genera- uh, graduation. Wow, that is really special. And, you know, you asked about uh, my background. So just to share a little bit, um, the most important thing to me is I'm Paul the third, Paul V. McCall the third, and Paul Jr. and Paul Sr., um, and I, we all joined the army at the age of 17. And so my grandfather served in World War II and my father served in Vietnam and I deployed to Iraq and Kuwait. And what I find really interesting about that is the family lineage all dedicated ourselves to the army at the age of 17. And my father is buried at Fort Indian Town Gap because he's a veteran. Um, I was only five years old when my grandfather passed, so I'm not sure where he's buried at. Um, But I do have every intention of having a military funeral when I pass and hopefully being buried somewhere near my father. Oh, great tribute. I'm just curious, if I may, pronounce how you pronounce McCullough. Yeah, just like you said, McCullough. Okay. With the O-U-G-H, I have come across... McCullough, cough, and McCullough, doe, and as a gentleman in Minneapolis named McCullough, spelled the same way, mm-hmm. and, and McCulloch. And you'll know, a matter of fact, this Colonel Samuel McCullough also is pronounced uh, O-C-H. I don't know who, why that is, but they got that ox sound on there. So yeah. not a very easy name to look at and hit it off the first time. Yeah. So um, you've have you other... Have you also met other Paul McCulloughs um, in your travels, or am I the only one that you've ever come in contact with? Today is the first time I did go to school with a Stephen McCullough, and he pastored at Assemblies of God Church out east, out in your area. I'm trying to think of the name of the town at this point, I can't. But uh, he was pastoring in Michigan, and I have, he, he resigned, and I talked with the church board, and I said, well, all you'd have to do is just take off Steve and put Paul. <laughs> it would, would make that easy, but I, I wasn't invited to go there. But not very many. I kind of stamped, just like you, when you called. I just, my wife said, I think he got mixed up when he was talking about the, uh, that. He, and he used your name instead of his name, probably nervous. For <laughs> <her>. <laughs> your name. <laughs> that is funny. 
So in my experience, the closest that I've ever met was a guy in high school and his name was John McCullough. And he was a big, tall um, black fella. And, you know, we had nothing in common, looked nothing alike. So it was really interesting to meet somebody that I have so much in common with. So, Pastor Paul, the next thing I'd really like to talk to you about is unpack a little bit of your calling to ministry. Because as I read through your background and some of the articles about you and things of that nature, there's really a call of God on your life. And so... I'm really curious what that journey was like for you, like when you felt that call, how you heard it, why you wanted to go into ministry, all those type of things. Very kind of you to ask. I It was 1965 I graduated from high school. You're talking to a, a person who will be 75 in March. Wow. And at that time when you think about, well, what do I want to do in life? And all during high school and even junior high, I was an avid bowler. I, I found a sport I loved. Couldn't wait to get out of class. I worked at a bowling alley in Wichita, Kansas. Um, loved to compete at one time. Uh, at a six, like probably 17, 16, 17, 18, I held the highest score bowled in Kansas, an 816 series back in those days, and beat several times since. But that's just the, the motivation I had. Well, you know, you some people can make a living at bowling, but not everybody. <laughs> I joined the professional bowling. I made some money around, which excuse me, Kansas and Arkansas, Missouri and Oklahoma, little tournaments, pocket, you know, cash type stuff. Mm-hmm. And first year of Bible college, I did join the church. So my first, what I call a calling experience was usually the better leagues bowl late at night, either the first uh, 6.30 or at 9 o'clock, the second one. And, the scratch leagues bowled it, but not the second uh, series at nine o'clock mm-hmm. or eleven. And so I was home at like four o'clock in the afternoon. I was watching a, a movie. Um, I'll climb the highest mountain by I think Rita Hayward was in it, and another gentleman, uh, Laughlin, I believe. But anyway, it was about a kind of like a little house on the prairie. Okay, and I tell you what, Paul, I just literally wept, thinking, "Boy, I just you know what it was." little fellow drowned in it, you know, and so it was the emotional part, but I'm not a really a crier as mm-hmm. much. But I felt I had a visitation, one of those come to Jesus moments, and my dad happened out of the blue, called me in the midst of that. I said, I feel God's called me to the ministry. So wow. it means probably more to me than anybody else. I have that on video. It's an old uh, film back in the, uh, I can't remember when it was published. But um, anyway, um, that drew me to go to Bible college. And Assemblies of God, I've always been in the Assemblies of God. My dad came to faith when I was just a young fella. So I uh, never have had anything beyond the Assemblies or have chosen to. A couple independent invitations, uh, Pentecostal charismatic churches, but I didn't go that route. But I had in mind to start ministry in the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, perhaps. And if I got better, uh, good enough in bowling, to um, identify that and travel, speak hmm. at churches and stuff. Well, I had a high goal. But the more I got involved in Bible college, came right up to graduation. This is no, uh, just it's a true story. A man owned a series of grocery stores in the Springfield, Missouri area where our headquarters is. And there's a Bible college there, little liberal arts and a Bible. And a friend of mine, because I was bowling real well, I had won the city all events championship. He had gotten me an uh, appointment to talk to him about sponsoring me on the tour again. I'd went out early on. That's back in the Vietnam era. So mm-hmm. if you weren't in college, uh, chances are until the lottery, you'd be going to Vietnam. 
and I had no qualms about it. I'd go as a chaplain, perhaps. You know, I wasn't much on the hunting, killing, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> just my nature. Uh, I hate to see it even. I shot a squirrel once, and I felt terrible about <laughs> it. Um, so, uh, anyway, uh, I did get a high number, 170 or 80, so that kind of set that back. But that night at church, I came to grips again. I said, you know, I, in my heart, I feel like God's calling me to be a pastor. And I canceled the meeting, and we've been in the ministry 50 years now. So wow. that's kind of the way it's gone. Uh, it's enough to draw me to stay in there with the ups and downs, but that was my what I felt, my calling. And uh, not everybody gets at that type of thing, but that's what happened to me. So I love how you combined just the experience of watching a movie that really spoke to your heart, spoke to your soul, and your experience and background in bowling. And God just uses those things together to say, well, hey, Paul, this is what I want you to do with your life. And my story isn't exactly like yours, but definitely a lot of similar trends. And I got to tell you, I've never seen that movie, but I love watching movies because there's so many life lessons in movies. So yeah. that is definitely on my top list of movies to watch now. There you go. It just as a traveling pastor, and I'm I'm a rural person, Kansas, a lot of rural area, a lot of churches I pastored in yeah. smaller towns, so. Yeah, that it just it was something that meant more to me than probably anybody else and it carried me on. Well, and I wonder what role has your family played in your ministry for you? Like did they influence you in going into ministry and as you've gone through it over the last 50 years, like how did that impact them? I I mean clearly there had to be some relation with your family in this whole process for you. Thank you, Paul. Uh yes, um of course, I went to Bible college. My wife went to a campus up in Detroit, Michigan area, church at a church. You could go two years, then you had to transfer down to a Bible college, a four-year program, to finish out the last two. So she came from Detroit, Michigan area to Springfield, Missouri. It was my last year. Uh, she is a, a, just a beautiful Italian girl. Her mom and dad were born in Italy, 12 in the family. I tell everybody, I come from a large family. There's just two of us, but we're both big. But anyway, um, we met there, and it was my last year. I had a pastor in Wichita that said, Paul, don't settle down with anybody particular until your last year, because sometimes you get married and kids come, and and uh, you, that's I did that. Yeah. And now we've been married 50 years. Wow. My kids hadn't come along. Yeah. That was the case with... My wife, my my family was thrilled that yeah. I, my mom and dad. Well, I got to tell you, again, there's so much similarity between our journeys. Um, I was 21 years old, and in college, I met the girl I knew was the girl in my dreams. And people were cautioning me, I don't know, you shouldn't get married so young. Da 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 da. You're, you know, you're not ready. Da da da. And like, I had many long conversations with God, and I was like, no, this is the right time. God is telling me, like. If you want to be with this girl, you need to marry this girl. And we've been together now for 27 years and coming up on 24 years of marriage. And she has been with me my entire military career, everything I've ever done in ministry. And she has kept me on the straight and narrow. So, like, I could not be more thankful that I followed what God was telling me then, much like what you're saying. Very similar. The wise are so important and stand with us. Hills and valleys, you know, it's not all that. Uh, we're not TV pastors and that type of thing. So... <laughs> This God is, I look back and I just marvel how he made, met our needs. You know? Amen. Well, Pastor Paul, we need to take a short break for a commercial. But when we come back, I'm going to continue the conversation with Pastor Paul McCullough. So stay with us. We'll be right 
back. listening to Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough, a Jacob Media production. And welcome back to Serving Our Nation. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and today I'm joined by Pastor Paul McCullough. So, Pastor Paul, I really enjoyed our conversation so far. And, you know, we just started talking a little bit about our names and uh, some shared experiences with our call to ministering. But I'd really like to unpack a little bit what your role has been like, what that experience has been like as a pastor and as a chaplain. And like you've been dual headed for quite a while. So I'd love to understand why such a call to serve as a pastor and a chaplain. Well, thanks again for asking. Um, Early on, no idea about chaplaincy. Um, went to school to be a pastor for your got a, a Bachelor of Arts degree in Bible studies. And with the Assemblies of God, there, as there, every denomination, there's a, a norm that uh, you just follow the examples that have been set with the, those before us. Right. So I got my degree. I thought being a youth pastor would be a very good start. So went out looking for a position. Kansas does not have a lot at that time, a lot of youth pastors, more pastors, and the monies, you know, are not as fluent there. But I did an internship in Ohio, and so I ended up going, and my wife from Michigan outside of Detroit. So we actually moved up there for a couple months, and I knocked on all kinds of doors uh, looking for a youth pastor's position. And... Um, wasn't able to find any in the timing and felt just married their daughter. So I need to be, you know, not Archie Bunker <laughs> meathead or whatever they called him. And they were very kind up there. I painted and stuff around the house. So I went back to Kansas and for eight months, I worked as a afternoon manager in a bowling alley and a gentleman from Ohio of all things was attending a general council in Kansas city and got my name two or three down came to see me and I ended up starting in Ohio. And it was there a short time at that first place. It was just uh, hard to make ends meet financially. But ended up when Akron, Ohio, a gentleman named Joe Serban, he was just, I always remember him just out of high respect. He gave me a start. So we started in that and you know, a lot of churches, nations, you have to have a master's degree. So I was the youth pastor there three years, took a home missions work for three years and then decided to go back to Springfield and get a master's. And unfortunately the pastor I worked with as a youth pastor was there a short time as well. And I wasn't able to finish. Our son was born there. So we end up taking a call outside of Detroit again. I was there about four years. And then one of the highlights of my life is we started another home missions work with the leadership of the Minnesota District Council, Assemblies of God actually found a Jewish synagogue, Reformed synagogue, a Unitarian church was nice to help them start. We met for five years at a Jewish synagogue on Sunday, and they met Friday night. What an experience. We planted some trees over in Jerusalem in in honor of them. And uh, that was the the first half, so to speak, 
came to that age about uh, mid-40s and realized uh, some of the reality. Remember I was talking about the, the trumpet doing it uh, mechanically but not having that flow. And I wanted to finish up the ministry with something that just flowed naturally. Uh, another thing, I call it just like the calling, but I sat down and I prayed and I said, what would I like to do? And I came up with what I called for a simple title, a glorified sales rep of a church. My dad sold insurance for 15 years. And I sat there with some help for other people, formulated a, a resume that they would hire me to represent the church out into the community, a liaison, if you will, of the senior pastor. And of course, to get that position, you had to have already have a minister of music and youth or children. Right. I'd be fourth on the list. So I, I had to find a church that was large, I felt. And so I sent out about 60 resumes and prayed over it. All over the Assemblies of God had a magazine called The Evangel that each year passed, posted the largest churches, you know, the first hundred churches that are, are attended. So of all things, we had a, what we call a general council in 1989 in Indianapolis, took some of my resumes down, met a pastor there that I knew from Ohio who was in Minnesota, said, hey, you know some people. North Central is our university in Minneapolis. We have eight of them around the United States. Mm -hmm. I went to Springfield, Missouri, but didn't know hardly anybody that area. All that to say, Paul, he came back the next day after he looked at that, as you looked at what I sent you, he said, we're looking for somebody like that in Wilmer, Minnesota. I said, where? Wilmer, 100 miles west of Minneapolis. Ended up being a large church. It started in the 30s, and they had been on television with cable, three different states on the western side of Minnesota to the eastern side of the two Dakotas. And things changed, and they closed that down. They had the money available, and a man um, that was helping finance that, I always remember him, he's passed on now. But that, what you call, dovetailed mm -hmm. right into what I was looking for, mm -hmm. just a miracle for me, and came out and talked to them, and they liked what they heard. So I came here in 1989 with the idea of reaching out in the community, be a liaison from the church. Also, I came up with a ministry, of, I call it hugs, host, usher, greeters, senders. But people that you would visit us, I'd get to know you. We used to have a, a, a friendship register that we used, and we used that. So I had the name Paul McCullough, so to speak. I mm -hmm. called you, hey, Paul, this is Paul McCullough, too. And I saw you're at church. And get to know you and your family. Mm -hmm. Wilmer is 20,000 people, 40 in the county, largest town west of Minneapolis, not counting St. Cloud and Two Falls and Cato. So it's really a regional area here in west central Minnesota. And because it's 20,000 people, I could go to Walmart or Target and sit at the snack bar. You'd come in with your family maybe. And I get to talk to you more. So a lot of it used to say McDonald's had about seven touches to buy their product. And then back in uh, almost 20, 15 years ago, I think they started a chaplaincy ministry. And I could go on and on, Paul, but I started to reach out, especially when I got close to retirement age. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to be 75. So 66, I talked to the church and I loved what I did in the church. I did reach out in the community, involved in various things. And we kind of took the hat off of being of all these administrative, kind of a general associate to chaplaincy. 
And then as you have read, I got involved in volunteer for police and fire and ambulance and some retail businesses, the railroad chaplain, stock car chaplain here in town. They have a stock car trap and all that setting at Walmart and Target involving in funerals, being involved out into the the race. I've got to be part of the Hall of Fame. I don't know how to drive a race car. Wow. But doing the chaplaincy, singing the national anthem and praying before each race. I connected with a lot of people in Wilmer. And just to give you one brief illustration, I could go on and on. But since 1997, I've had almost 400 funerals. And out of those funerals, probably at least a third, if not close to half of them, been outside the church where they don't have a church home. Wow. But I'm with people that uh, suicides or death, and I'm there in the house at odd times and, you know, Pisces time. So I build relationship. That's my core. Be a pastor in those areas that you don't usually find a pastor sitting at Walmart, sitting in Target, yeah. up, about in the community. We used to walk through them all. And then on those close family type things, funerals, weddings back in the earlier days. So that's kind of how it all developed here. Started with pastoral, then it went to chaplaincy, and now my I would call myself the church uh, concierge, you know, <laughs> about a hotel. They need something, get a hold of Pastor Paul. He remembers their grandparents or he uh, he dedicated them or whatever. Love it. I feel like this is my Disney world. I've got Adventureland, Tomorrowland, Fantasyland, I love Western it. Land, you know. And uh, I every morning I get up looking forward to the day. Honestly, Paul. So, Pastor Paul, your story is so captivating, and you're very humble because you didn't mention anything about all the accolades that you've received and all the articles and media things and just so many ways that people have recognized that you have been serving your community of 20,000 in the county, 40,000 people that you go out and serve every single day and the way that you consider it a pleasure. It blesses so many people. But I wonder, in all the work that you've done, in the 50 years of ministry, dual-headed, pastor, chaplain to so many different areas of ministry, is there a time that just really sticks out in your heart as, wow, I can't believe that I get to do this. God really showed up in this time, in this place. Maybe it was something really challenging and God just showed up for you and worked a miracle. I, I don't know. But is there something that just really stands out for you? You know, that's a good question. I, it's so... The, the, the whole experience is a wild experience for me that I keep pinching myself, even today, talking with you. It just gives me a chance to share it. Way back in the very beginning at Springfield, Missouri, there's there's what's called Silver Dollar City. If you ever get down to Branson, Missouri, they had a, a, a blacksmith guy that was on every poster around the area advertising uh, Silver Dollar City. I came up with an idea of being a community pastor there or would just work the park and they used to have a, a mortician walk around. And But when I went down, uh, they gave me a chance to even speak there, but it didn't work out, you know, just as a dream. But I, ever since that time, I've always had a dream to be part of a community. You can't mm-hmm. do it in, in a large town. St. Cloud is 80,000, Minneapolis is bigger. It has to be something like we have here in Wilmer because it's a county seat and people right. come here. So I realized that, and I just have took a, taken a large church in a smaller area. We have ministry, have about eight, nine ministers. We take care of from every family, from every age. I get to be the, the spokesman for that out in the community. And we have a full-time children's pastor. We have a junior high 
and a high school pastor. We have a senior adult pastor. I did senior adult. I did several hats there for a number of years. A wild game feed that we reach out and invite men to come in. Over 500 a year would come. And uh, on us, we have a VBS that reaches out to the community. We have games and all kinds of stuff. I could go on and on, Paul, but I have found the the reward of all those years before. Go back 30 years, I had my challenges, a lot of smaller churches. But in those 30 years here in Wilmer, it has constantly built upon each year up to where now I just uh, I can ride the horse out into the western sky and uh, call it quits one of these days on up to heaven. But uh, this is a dream come true, and to be able to share it with you is is a, a very nice honor I have. But I wow. love what I do and look forward to it. I'd like to meet you in person someday. If I can get you to Wilmer, I'll take you around and introduce you. I would you love to. I would love to. But Pastor Paul, we got just a couple minutes left. And really the last thing I want to ask you, you have so much experience, such a lifetime of serving people, caring for people in so many different ways. What would you say to somebody that might be listening today that maybe is a young person and maybe feels a a little bit of tug on their heartstrings and says, you know, maybe I might consider the chaplaincy. I don't know. I I think God might be calling me to it, but maybe they're nervous. They're hesitant. I don't know how I'm going to provide for my family. There's a hundred concerns or excuses that people can come up with. What would you say to a person like that listening today? I, I went through that same manner of how am I going to support the family and trying to get on staff as something that was brand new. I would say what's been a successful for me, and now the church has been my financial background and given me, and not every church would give you that permission to get out into the community, but that was their focus. And yeah. So it's a lot of volunteer. You, They do have volunteer police chaplains. Their town may not have one. But you might, uh, we started with uh, five of us, and over the years, it's got down to two of us, and Nazarene Pastor and myself, and we're able to handle that in this size town. But volunteer work, uh, hospital, that's on your aid, but you have volunteers there. But the more you get involved in relationship, the more they call upon you to be a helper in their time of need. Uh, Hospice, I'm a hospice chaplain here, too, with a company, and I'm with people like walk them right up to the heaven's gates um, in their closing time. So, and then then there's also places. There's a police chaplaincy. You can go and be certified. That's important. Assemblies of God has a chaplain program, the institutional the community, and I'm sanctioned by the Assemblies of God as a certified community pastor chaplain or community chaplain is a better way to say that and uh, involved in those ministries I've told you about. But take it step by step. It's not going to happen. God's going to say, take the stairs, not the elevator. Yeah. And you'll have to go step by step. To, but you'll find it. Keep at it. 30 years I've been at it. And every year gets gooder and gooder, as I say <laughs> in Kansas. Pastor Paul, it has been such an honor and a privilege to have you on the show. And I can't thank you enough for taking the time out just to be here with me today. You made my day. Thank you so much, Paul. God right. bless. Thank you, Pastor Paul. When we come back from the break, we're going to reflect on the lessons of servant leadership that we've heard from Pastor Paul today. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Someone will come running and I know they'll take you If you're interested in connecting with Dr. Paul McCullough or interested in being featured on the show, contact Jacob Media Partners via LinkedIn. Now, back to Serving Our Nation. And welcome back to Serving Our Nation. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough. And as we close out today's show, let's just think about what we've heard from Pastor 
Paul McCullough. Listen, I really hope that you've enjoyed today's program. I received so much just listening to him and hearing his story. And I think there's so many life lessons that we can pull away from what Pastor Paul shared with us and how we can better serve the people around us. And, you know, I think we can begin with this idea of Pastor Paul's call to ministry came when he was watching a movie. Something as simple as just watching a movie. I'll climb the highest mountain. Now, listen, that might not be your favorite movie. You might have a show that speaks to you more. But the point of it is that if you really are listening and paying attention, God will show you the path that he wants you to go down. He'll use the giftings that you have and what he's put into your life, and he'll show you what road he wants you to go down. Right? Pastor Paul talked about bowling and how he used bowling and his passion for other people and was able to turn that into becoming a pastor and then a chaplain. So really the first thing that I think we can take away from what Pastor Paul shared with us this morning is really just being attentive to the call that God has put on your life. And no matter what area you're working, whether it be faith or your community or in business, whatever, you really have to listen to where you think God is calling you because that is where will be your sweet spot. That's where you can really thrive and serve people the best. Then now let's fast forward and let's say that you are in that sweet spot. So now what? So you have to think about this idea that he said over and over and over again. It's about forming relationships because when you have relationship with people, they are far more prone to come back to you and want to ask you for help. You want They want you to be there in their time of comfort. Maybe when there's a funeral. I love what he said, that he's done 400 funerals and more than a third of them were outside the church. People that just knew him from being in the community and said, hey, I, I really respect you. I know you. I trust you. I love you. Will you come and be here with my family in our time of need? That really speaks volumes about the man. Now, listen, you might not be a, a minister, as you know, an ordained minister that's going to go and do a funeral, but you can most certainly spend time investing in relationships with other people so that when they have those difficult times, they know that they can count on you. They know that they can call you, that you'll be there in that time of need. And quite honestly, that is servant leadership. Right? Being there for other people, putting the needs of other people ahead of your own. Maybe you had a concert that you were going to go to, but at that same time, when you were going to go to a concert, maybe your best friend just lost his father. And it would be far more important to be there for that best friend than to go to that concert you had planned. So I'd encourage you to think about that. How can you put other people first by forming relationship? And then I love how he also talked about he is really just living his dream out every single day. And he talked about how it feels like Disney World to him, that he gets to get up and do this. How many of us have the perspective of, I have to go to work. I have to do this. I have to do that. How about we change our perspective and say, I get to go do this. I get to go spend time with my elderly parents or grandparents. I get to come home and take care of something for my spouse. I get to spend time with my children. 
Let's change our perspective and have a mindset like Pastor Paul is talking about. I get to get up and serve people. And really the last thing I want to share with you about what Pastor Paul talked about, he is there for thousands of people, a community of 40,000 people. And the list of ways in which this man serves goes on and on and on. And I have read at least half a dozen articles in media stories about the work this man does and the love that the people in his community have for him. And all of that is because he said, well, I don't want to just stay inside the walls of my fourth church. I want to get out in my community and make a difference. And he's doing that in the police department, the fire department, the hospitals, hospice, the VA, every way that you can possibly think about serving other people, this man is getting out and doing it. So listen, you know, maybe you're at a season in your life where you say, oh my gosh, you know, I, I'm not able to be in that season of life where I, I just spend time going around and ministering to people. Okay, fine, I get that. How about you carve out a little bit of time? How about maybe just an hour or two a week where you're going out and finding somewhere in the community where you can go and make a difference? Maybe you visit a veteran in the VA home, or maybe you go and volunteer with the police department or the fire department in some way that they can utilize your giftings. I don't know what it is, but I'm sure that God can speak something into your heart. So I'd really encourage you to think about that and let's all really just reflect on the life of this man, Pastor Paul McCullough, and such powerful lessons of servant leadership that he shared with us today. Listen, each week I talk to you that when you put good into the universe, it comes back to you. And God is faithful with that every single week. Every single week. I'm just amazed by how it happens every single week without me even having to look for it. And so I'm just going to share with you a brief story. I have a friend, and this person, um, when I first met her, she really did not um, have a whole lot of faith in God and um, almost was angry at God. And she had some really rough experiences in her life. And I was able to have a conversation with her at my kitchen table. And she shared some really personal things with me. And my heart went out to her and I, I wanted to help. And I, I wanted to help her get through the pain that she was experiencing. And so um, I was able to make a couple of things happen. And I was able to be with her. Uh, during her time of need to help her get through the grief and the pain that she was holding on to. Uh, and I was able to help her get closure on that. And that really meant a lot to her. And because of that, um, it really helped our relationship to grow into a very deep and lasting friendship. And now, fast forward a year and a half, not only has she now been able to get rid of all that pain, and now is taking steps on her journey towards a relationship with God. But she also just asked me to officiate her wedding and asked me to do premarital counseling with her and her fiance. Now, if that's not a blessing from God and good coming back for just as you know a small act of service that I did for her a year and a half ago, I don't know what is. And I want to just say it was such a privilege and an honor just to be there with her 
in that time of need. And I am so incredibly excited to be able to now, in a few months, officiate her wedding and help her through now a season of joy. She's left the season of pain and is entering in to a season of joy. Think about what you can do for somebody else to help them navigate those storms of life, to go from pain to joy. Because listen, at the end of the day, it wasn't anything that was special about my words. It was the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit that was working through me. And that's the only reason that I was able to minister to her in that time and that place when she needed somebody the most. And I'd encourage you, God can do the same for you if you just let him. Listen, next week, another two very special guests, very excited to have on the show. Mr. Greg Nardi is going to be on the program. He's the executive director for Bucks County Bar Association and Foundation. He's a retired lieutenant colonel and the former professor of military science for Temple University. He's also a leader of a Boy Scout troop, and he is on the board for the Association of the United States Army, Philadelphia chapter that I lead. Along with Mr. Greg Nardi, uh, I'm going to have Mr. Jonathan Childs. He's a financial planner for the McNamara Financial Group. He's also a former Army officer, as well as a board member for the West Point Society of Philadelphia and AUSA. We're all on the board together. So I'm very excited about having both those gentlemen on the program next week. It's not an episode that you want to miss. Listen, as you go about your week, no matter where you're at or what you're doing, Always remember to ask, how can I help? Thanks for listening, and join us again next week.